Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with wife, mother, and homeopathy advocate, Paula Brown. Warm welcome, Paula. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. My cheeks already hurt from smiling, and the interview just started. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to have you on today. You are such a fun and inspiring personality. Uh, You have super fun Instagram videos to watch, and uh, thanks for getting Britney Spears stuck in my head this morning. (laughs) That was such a fun video (laughs) that you did. I loved it. And um, you're such an amazing inspiration, and I can't believe my luck to get you on the podcast today because you are super busy. I don't know where you find the energy to do what you do, but we're going to get into all that today. So I wonder if we can kick it off by you telling us about how you first discovered homeopathy. All right. I have a, I, I think I have a pretty, pretty good story. It's a sad one, you know, at first, but thank God for homeopathy. So basically I was always pretty darn healthy. I did grow up with homeopathy. We were immigrants from Brazil to the United States, like just very traditional American immigrant story. My dad wanted to go to school, get the American dream. So my mom brought with her a homeopathy kit because there was no health insurance available to us when we got here as students. And so she brought it with us. But as soon as my dad graduated university, as soon as he got a real job with real medical insurance, my mother threw out the kit. Isn't that so sad? (laughs) And so then it wasn't until I was in high school, really, that I had access to traditional medical care. Because the homeopathy set me up so well as a child, um, I was pretty healthy and ran track, cross country, you know, was busy, did humanitarian work in Africa, just full of life, lots of energy. But really homeopathy just disappeared from my memory completely, 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 and really from my mom's memory. And then I got married and I started getting reoccurrent cystitis and really just needed some staphysagria, you know, moms, now you know, (laughs) you know, it's a great remedy for honeymoon cystitis. And, um, but instead, because I didn't know about homeopathy, because it had really been lost in the family, I took lots and lots of antibiotics. And before I knew it, I had two young children and I was diagnosed with a really terrible autoimmune disease called interstitial cystitis, chronic bleeding of the bladder very, very painful, but there's no infection. It's just like, it's like the infection has been driven in deeper, at least in my case, there's different types of interstitial cystitis. But for me, it was definitely an antibiotic triggered suppression of the infection that drives that infection deeper. And I was really, really quite sick. Went to my doctors. We were living in Houston at the time. And if anyone's from the Houston area, you know, there's this fantastic medical center here and they call it the medical Mecca. And I went to the best of the best doctors and they were like, okay, we can give you opioids for the pain, but you're going to have to join a support group for the addiction. We can give you a pill that might make all your hair fall out. We can, and I was just like sitting there like, what? Like, I'm a healthy person. Like, I saw myself as a healthy person, even though my bladder was such a mess. I saw myself as like this vibrant, healthy person. Like, healthy people don't take opioid addictions. and They don't take drugs that might make their health, hair fall out for the rest of their lives. I just couldn't see myself doing that. And, um, and here's another one, like just crazy. They wanted to give me this, this is kind of like, sorry guys, if you're listening, but it's kind of like a tampon, but it's electric and you insert it and you electrocute yourself <gasps> literally. And the electrocution actually causes your bladder to feel numb. So then that most of the day you don't have pain except for that little electrocution every morning. <sighs> I was like, what are you offering me? Like, I was like, this is a medieval torture device like what the heck I just looked at my doctor and I was just like look with all due respect like this is crazy 
I want to take any of these drugs. And she literally, I kid you not, she put her hand right on the table right next to mine. You know, doctors typically aren't very warm, but she put her hand right next to mine. She said, then you'll do it right. You'll find a better way. Go find it. Wow. And I was like, all right, we're going to go find a better way. So I did. I tried acupuncture herbs. I tried, I went, you know, the whole tried everything else, then homeopathy, but yeah. that's an acronym for teeth. Teeth, yeah. <laughs> and I found homeopathy, yep. And I'm just so thankful. I've worked with a lot today. I've worked with a lot of different practitioners. I had other things besides my bladder. I had a dermography, which is a head to toe itching all over my body. I'm very sensitive to foods. I could only eat like by the time I was at my worst, probably like 15 ingredients that would not cause all kinds of reactions. Um, just, I was pretty darn sick. Mm. And homeopathy very slowly but surely really began uprooting it. And even as I was improving with homeopathy, I got really terrible insomnia. I think I was just on too many remedies and trying, you know, so then I went to more like classical now. My body seems to really like the classical at this point. And, you know, do what works, guys. Always just follow where, where your path is leading you. And today I just, I'm not perfect, but I have such robust health, such a busy life. And I'm so thankful for it. And here's where my story comes full circle. My mother called me and she's like, have you heard of this drug that they give typically for women with bladder pain? And she gave me the name of the drug. It's called Elmeron. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, that's the one they prescribed to me that might make all my hair fall out. And my mom's like, well, look at this. There's these class action lawsuits now that women who are on it for about 15 years are going blind. And I would have been on it for 12 years at that point. Wow. And so, yeah. I mean, really, I just knew that I couldn't do it. And I really think if you're a mom listening to this, you get this little still small voice that comes into your heart sometimes and says, don't do that or, or do this or try something else. And we really are conditioned by society to not listen to that, to listen to rational thoughts and listen to what the recommendations or whatever. We have to as mothers and really as humans to learn to respond and listen to that little voice and recognize it and have the courage to respond and do it. Mm. And that was really a big takeaway for me from that experience mm. that I, I did the right thing. And I'm so darn glad I did. I'm so glad you brought up that little voice because that is literally why I do what I do, because I did not listen to that voice. And then I had mm -hmm. a amazing midwife and she, I would ask her all these questions like, should I do this with my baby? Should I do that? You know, once they're born. And she always responded with, well, what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, I, I, am I allowed to think? I didn't know I'm allowed to think. And then surely that little voice grew stronger and stronger. And now nobody can tell me nothing. <laughs> that little voice is so strong. And I want that for yeah. every single mother because you have children as well, Paula, and they always drives us and they are what keeps us strong. And once we learn to listen to that voice, mothers can be so powerful. Now, I wonder if you can maybe tell us a little bit more about your life. So you do home city, you have got an amazing homeschool program. I homeschooled my kiddies for two years, so I have huge admiration for you. It's very hard work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so tell us how, how else homeopathy plays a role in your life. Yes, we use it quite regularly with the family. I love using it on the farm animals. Um, we just moved back from Budapest. We had a, a pretty thriving homestead and then we moved to Europe for a few years. So now we're back in Texas on a different property, some more acreage and um, really happy and excited to have, you know, we're actually picking up our cow next weekend. So, and her name is Belladonna. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah. So we're really excited to kind of get back into that thing that I just have so much passion for. But homeopathy, I think the most important thing is because what I what I learned from my chronic illness is just how damaging antibiotics are and how devastating they are to your gut, that biome, and then really just it's poison and it's chemicals. And of course, there's a time and a place for using these emergency type drugs. And, you know, we should be grateful for them in some ways, but all good things have a very dark side, even if all things in moderation or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think the most wonderful thing is that it's really helped my entire family avoid antibiotics, Mm -hmm. really avoid antibiotics. And we've had some pretty serious situations. So I have like, a hundred stories I could tell you, but like my husband, once we were checking out our beehives and if you're from Houston, Texas, you can appreciate that there's all kinds of bugs in Australia. I'm sure you guys have them too. <laughs> yeah. You guys have snakes, right? Yeah. Yep. Snakes. So we were checking our beehive out um, and it was this winter time. We had to give them some sugar water because it was actually coming close to spring and, and bees are usually like really hungry in the spring because they're out of their winter stores. So you, you usually give them a little bit of honey and this little cockroach climbs up on the side of the hive. And my husband, like, you know, an idiot, like smacks the side of the hive. And I was out of there like a shot. I'm like, see ya. And a bee came out and stung him. And Jason is really loves homeopathy, knows it works, big fan of it, but he was being stubborn man that morning. And I was like, Hey, we should get you a little bit of lead for that little thing. And he's like, come on, Paula, this is a bee sting. I've had bee stings before. Like I'm a man, I can, I can handle it. And I was like, I think you should get one, but all right, whatever. So, you know, within 48 hours, his, his arm was giant and big and quite infected. I, I didn't know what it was at the, at the time. I was like, what a strange, slow allergic reaction. But then 48 hours into it, the coin dropped. I was like, this is not an allergic reaction. Allergic reactions are fast. They come on quickly. This is an infection. And this is probably a cellulitis infection. We did go see practitioner. It was confirmed. Antibiotics were called in. And this is before we, we've had, I had enough transformative experiences where I was all in with homeopathy, but marriage, husband, like you're not going to tell him exactly what to do, even though you really want to sometimes. Right. So I was like, so what do you want to do? You want to antibiotics or I was like and I researched it I was like look typically infections like these from bee stings are because the tip of the sting probably had a little bit of staph in um, bacteria on it and typically if you take antibiotics for this it tends to come back so this is going to be a reoccurring thing loads of antibiotics your life is ruined (laughs) (laughs) because he saw what antibiotics did to me and my husband was like no I I think I think I want to try the homeopathy and it was I mean guys his hand was it stung him on his forearm his, by now his hand was swollen, hard to see his knuckles and the infection was spreading up his arm. And I could see on the inside of his arm near his armpit, the red was approaching and, you know, you have a lymph node there and that's like, whoo, that bacteria would love to get to that lymph node to spread everywhere and, and go everywhere at that major point. So we were pretty worried. And I remember I had tried a few remedies. I tried the apis, which is typical for bee stings that become allergic um, like anaphylaxis type. We tried the lead-in, which is great for puncture wounds that are not necessarily allergic, a different kind of puncture wound. And um, he was just not responding to those. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what is going on here? So I remember he said, just tell me your symptoms. Just tell me your symptoms. And this is really why I advocate for everybody to have a family homeopath, because no matter what, you're going to own your remedies. You're going to study your stuff. You're going to know your stuff. It's so important to have a homeopath as backup, as someone to add to your team to support you. Well, at the time, I didn't have one that I could talk to. And so he said, look, it's, I just, it's throbbing. I can feel my heartbeat and it hurts. And I was like, well, throbbing is typically a belladonna, you know, situation. So I Google these things, belladonna. 
and then up pops this little article that had just a little paragraph about bee stings that turn into cellulitis often need belladonna. And actually, I think that's when I realized it was cellulitis. And then we mm-hmm. saw the doctor and you know, all that stuff happened after. So we started him on the belladonna and we did a nice little loading dose. And the loading dose is um, in an acute situation. This is an acute short-term illness. You give one remedy for me, like this is my version mm-hmm. of loading dose. I'm sure Australia has the Australian version, but <laughs> you know, it's one dose every 15 minutes for an hour. So a total of four. And that kind of mm-hmm. gets a little jump start, a little head start to things. Yeah. Okay. And within an hour, the throbbing improved, the pain decreased, and we had enough indication that this is definitely turning and heading in the right direction. And um, typically, I wait before I add any supplements to a situation like that, because some people are like doing high doses of vitamin C to ward off the infection and oils and things. And I'm like, I don't like to do that because homeopathy is my workhorse. And if you really can get homeopathy to address the infection, then you're really on your way. Then you can add stuff after that. So I really don't like to introduce more than one variable at a time. So we did the belladonna and, and I think I might've done another remedy or two, but I think the belladonna was really carrying it there. Um, we did that, saw the shift next morning, definitely the symptoms were improving. And so then I threw on high doses of vitamin C, different mm-hmm. things on his skin topically, it just kind of helped support it. It was just wonderful, wonderful, you know, to save him from superfluous antibiotics, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just amazing because you're not a professional homeopath, right? And you no. No, no, no. you were actually <laughs> able to treat this at home yourself. And I am so passionate about empowering mothers with that same knowledge as well. And you have become such an amazing home prescriber now that you are now teaching other mums to become amazing home prescribers as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what drove you to that? Yeah, well, you know, you, I told you a bit about how I grew up with homeopathy and oh my gosh, like what? The whole middle part where I was so sick and in bed and bedridden and miserable and starving and skinny because I couldn't eat anything like skinny in a bad way and mm-hmm. um, just miserable. I was like, if my if my mom had realized what we had at the time, because to her homeopathy was just a means to get through school to get proper health insurance. Mm-hmm. Right? But my mom didn't realize oh, actually, this is the better medicine. There's a profound rationale for this. Like what I was saying, when you take a, when you suppress symptoms, it drives it deeper into your body and produces more long-term chronic illness. And that's just the law of how it works. And so when I reflected on my kids, I was thinking about, well, my mother, God bless her for having at least homeopathy when I was young and giving me a really good start. You know, she needed support to hand that off to me in a more long-term way. And then I started thinking, because I was homeschooling my kids, how do I pass this on to them? Because you don't want your kids to go through the same mistakes that you will. They'll go through their own mistakes, but maybe not the ones you went through would be great, you know? And so, um, so I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. I know how to write. I know how to write stuff. Why don't I do this? And so I did. I wrote a curriculum and, and I'm very thankful, you know, because I'm not a homeopath, so I did work with the Academy of Homeopathy Education out of New York. They reviewed, gave me feedback, made sure that this was of sound quality as far as homeopathy philosophy goes and pumped out a really fantastic curriculum that I'm so proud of. And even the curriculum itself, I like to say is holistic because it, it uses as its foundation story. So there's a storybook that you read. And after every chapter, there's 
a lesson plan and a discussion guide and uh, different things that you can do to support it. But story is so powerful. I like to say story is a holistic remedy because it meets the listener where they're at, you know? So like, do you guys hear that story in Australia about the emperor's new clothes? Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Please go there because I listened to it and I thought, I hope she tells the story. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, there's a charlatan that comes to town and he's like, oh, I can sell you guys the finest clothes. And and he opens the box and it looks like it's totally empty. It has air in it. And he picks up fabrics and he says, only intelligent people can see this fabric. And nobody, the king, nobody wants to admit that they're the idiot. They can't see the fabric because they just believe him. And so soon by the end of the story, everybody, including the king, the emperor himself, he's paid all this money and he's prancing around completely naked. And there's a child in the crowd that says, mom, he's naked. And then, you know, that kind of wakes everybody up and everybody's like, oh my gosh, he totally is naked. And they all start laughing at him and he's humiliated. And really the fool was the person that was listening to it. And so as a child, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, that's an interesting story. So don't follow the crowd and think for yourself and all of that. But, you know, as an adult, when we look at the political world, right? I think that brings a totally different meaning to that. And that's what I mean by a story is a holistic remedy. It meets you where you're at. So what I did is my curriculum is really my story of my family. Actually, a lot of them is my husband. So I'm Brazilian and I married an American and he's one of 10 siblings. He has this giant cowboy American family from Arizona. And so I use them as my inspiration for the whole setting. And, and grandma Annette teaches Evie, her granddaughter, about Samuel Hahnemann, and they go through that journey. And you can get free lessons um, from that curriculum at paolabrown.com forward slash free. So it's P-A-O-L-A, Paola Brown, just like the color, dot com forward slash free. And you can get free lessons and free music, memory work music, and all kinds of fun stuff. So really a labor of love. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, as somebody who has homeschooled my kids for a couple of years as well, I know how much work is involved. Just homeschooling your kids is actually a full-time job, but then finding a time to write a curriculum. And that's not even all that you've done. We'll go into the next part of what you're world famous (laughs) for, I would say in in homeopathy world for sure, is the Americans for Homeopathy Choice. But I just don't know how you do all of this. It just blows my mind. <laughs> but apart oh. from this amazing curriculum, can, and, and just to clarify, the curriculum is um, for children. Yeah, I have a preschool and kindergarten primer, which is a little bit of a separate program. It's You go through the alphabet and every alphabet, like A is for Arnica, Aww. B is for Belladonna, C is for, you know, Camomilla or whatever. I can't remember what we did, but, yeah. um, and it goes to concepts, you know, so it goes through the whole alphabet, but then, yeah, the main curriculum is for grades one through 12 and we do ship internationally. It's like my heart and soul is on every single page. And I mm-hmm. just, I think it's, it's been really well received by the homeschooling community, which you can imagine mm-hmm. having been a homeschooler, it's a picky community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, it's been just really well received and I'm very thankful for that. So. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And can you please tell us a bit about Americans for Homeopathy Choice and why it started? I mean, we have our own battle here in Australia with the NHMRC and, you know, everything that came out of that. But uh, you guys have got your own battle over in America and I haven't been keeping quite up to date of what's happening there at the moment. So I wonder if you can maybe give our listeners a quick rundown, maybe those who haven't even heard about Mm -hmm. this, um, just give them a quick rundown about uh, what it is and uh, how it came about your role in all of that and where things are now so that we can all be caught up to speed. Mm -hmm. I know it's uh, 
probably a whole podcast in itself, just that several podcasts, but if you can condense that for us as much as you can. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, every country I think has their own like political situation, their own legal situation when it involves homeopathy. But um, I do think that what is universal about this is that more and more, I feel that these governments um, don't want to value the consumer right to choice. It's becoming very prescriptive. The word science, I think, is universally thrown around. I think social media foments this or just kind of the connectedness, the globalist world that we have. But I feel very strongly, very strongly that we have a responsibility to ourselves, to our children, to the world to stand up for what is right and what is not right. And what is right is that mothers ought to have a choice. When the doctors gave me those antibiotics, all those many, many, many times, they should not have given me that many antibiotics. They really should have been very concerned instead of just throwing drugs at me. Who was with me in the middle of the night when I was peeing blood, when my baby was crying and I was in bed because I couldn't move, I couldn't pick him up? Who was there to help me? It's like, no, no, no. If you're not going to be there next to me after you prescribe me these drugs that may not do good for me, you need to let me have a choice and an option to find something better. And I find that that is reducing more and more, even our access to other things. Because in the U.S., homeopathic medicines are legally drugs. Um, So herbs and supplements are not legally drugs in the U.S. Those are kind of a separate thing. But even those those supplements, we're losing access to so much of those things. You know, and I think that's pretty universal. I think a lot of governments are doing that. So what happened in the U.S. is the Food and Drug Administration, that's the FDA, they handle at the federal level, at the national level, they handle the drugs. Um, they came out with a guidance document that says they're going to basically treat homeopathic medicines as if they're all illegal. So they're saying, yes, homeopathy is technically a drug, but because it hasn't gone through the approval process that a conventional drug needs, we're going to treat them all as illegal. When actually the law has separated homeopathy from conventional drugs, conventional drugs are inherently dangerous. They're toxic. You can overdose on them. They have all those problems. And homeopathy at the dilutions that we use on that, the the substances are are very safe. And we've never had any significant problems really at all in the U.S. FDA did, did run into a few problems and we investigated those problems and we said, well, this product here should have never been labeled homeopathy, but that's not homeopathy's fault. That's a labeling issue, generic to any drug. And this drug over here that you had an issue with had a manufacturing issue. You can't have contamination. It needs to be properly manufactured and we support proper labeling and proper manufacturing, but just like in a very like allopathic conventional way, instead of going for the root of the problem, which would be let's address labeling and manufacturing and Mm. make sure that this stays consistent. FDA went for the symptom, go after homeopathy, Mm. right? Isn't that just so typical? So um, what we have found, yeah, what we have found is that, you know, really until the consumer gets involved in a very organized and active way, these governments will not go in the right direction for you. And so we have as an organization met multiple times with top leadership at the FDA. We've met with Congress. We actually recently had a letter sent to the FDA by Congress. It was signed by 25 members of Congress. It was very bipartisan and bicameral. So that means we had 13 Republicans, 12 Democrats representing the House and the Senate which is pretty crazy in, this, in the current political environment. It's pretty polarized right now. And um, we did that because consumers were involved and we were very organized. I do think that a lot of people thank me and give me credit. Really, there's this amazing team that has been just divinely brought together 
with Americans for Homeopathy Choice. I could go on and on about Laura and Kathy and Lorraine and Trisha and Diana and just like all these, you know, wonderful, wonderful board members. And we have an amazing attorney. And it just has been really inspiring to see how things have just come together. But I do believe you have to take that first step. And then they start coming together. And there's good days and there's bad days. And there's good months and there's crappy months. But you just need to stay real consistent. Because my goal is, is I have the perspective of a mother and the perspective of the mother is not today. Every day you talk to your kids, you're thinking about what are they going to be like 10 years from now? If I let this go, what's going to happen 10 years Mm. from now? If they steal candy from the candy store, what are you doing? No, we don't want you to become a sticky fingers when you grow up. (laughs) So we want to correct these things now. And that's how I feel about homeopathy at the political level. We need to mother and parent our government. We give them the power that they have not the other way around. They don't have the power. We give it to them and we need to speak up and say these things. And we just have really amazing advocates that have heeded the call. So, Well, I'm going to get a sore neck from nodding <laughs> because I completely agree <laughs> with everything that you were saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't mess with a mum. And I always say, don't like, don't take a mum's chamomilla away from her teething baby and leave her with mm-hmm. something that has side effects. Sometimes I don't know if I'm crazy or the world is crazy because I do not understand how homeopathy can get targeted when there's never been any deaths of homeopathy. I know there was that Highland thing, but that actually turned out that that, a lot of those things were falsified anyway. So nobody's actually ever died of homeopathy in over 200 years of use. Whereas pharmaceutical medication Mm -hmm. is one of the leading causes of death in the world. Hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of people die every year from correctly and incorrectly prescribed pharmaceutical medication. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or Mm -hmm. anywhere. It's all recorded on all the various government databases. So that's a fact. It's not like I'm a hippie making up this stuff. It's a fact. Um, Why are we the ones being targeted so much? Why do we have to fight so hard for something that has a 200-year history of efficacy. I do not understand. I mean, I do, because you really just follow the money money trail at the end of the day, but I don't understand why we have to fight so hard to make something available for our children, our grandchildren, and future generations that has a 200-plus year history of efficacy. Yeah, I don't understand it either. It's ridiculous. You know, I think it has to do with arrogance. It's nothing but like just hard, just at the core, we're all humans, we're all flawed, we're all deeply flawed. We all have our issues, me included. And I think there's a sense of arrogance when people say like, oh, homeopathy doesn't work. I'm like, okay, move along, suck down your antibiotics, drink up your steroids, you know, just ah, take all of your NSAIDs, like go for it, do what's worked for you and let me do what works for me, move along, you know, mm-hmm. and I like, I pity the fool that comes up and tells me that homeopathy doesn't work. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know what, Mr. Grinch, you need to shut your mouth. The antibiotics are over there. Off you go and leave me alone to do what I need, what what I want to do. For heaven's sake, I do think it has to do with arrogance. I think there's people out there that think they need to know everything and they actually believe they can know everything. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of the most humbling things is to become a mom and to realize, oh, I don't know everything. And I am kind of at the mercy of this little tyrant that I'm raising, this little baby (laughs) or whatever, you know, that's going to vomit all over me or whatever. And you grow to be more humble Mm -hmm. about your role. And then when you get something like homeopathy and you're like, okay, you know what? I don't, I don't get exactly, exactly how this works, but I'm going to trust it. But the sad part is, is that even these people who don't believe in homeopathy, who believe they know everything, 
really that they've just accepted that they think they know everything. But our minds, like when I flip on a light switch, I guarantee you, a lot of people can't sit there and explain exactly, exactly how everything works. And if mm-hmm. I keep asking a million questions, there's going to be a point where they're going to say, well, I don't exactly know how the electricity goes inside the two wires or whatever. Mm-hmm. They may not know the details, but you accept it. You know that when you turn that switch on, mm-hmm. the light goes on. Mm-hmm. So you just follow those little rules and it works. And that's mm-hmm. how homeopathy works for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just live and let live, people. Live mm-hmm. and let live. I was just going to say, you know, something that we need to help our governments know, the government is out there to protect the consumer. That's supposedly their role, Right. They should not infantile the consumer under the guise of protection. That's not how it works. You can't infantize me, make me into a child and your mommy, and you can tell me what to do. That's not how it works. And I think that's so important that we hold our governments accountable for doing their job and staying in their lane. And, and without the consumer voice, you can, consumers listening, moms listening, you cannot expect the practitioners to do this for you. They're overwhelmed. They're treating really difficult cases, really sick people that have gotten sick and sicker and sicker in these modern days. And they need you to step up and help and to organize. And I think that's something that a lot of consumers don't realize because we do tend to wait around and expect the practitioners to take care of it. And you guys have been doing an amazing job in Australia, but consumers really do need to organize and step up. You have literally just said what I was going to say, and that was don't just take homeopathy for granted because actually this fight has actually been going on for 200 years. It's none of this is new. Homeopathy, mm-hmm. like the, the Orthodox profession, has been trying to stamp out homeopathy for 200 years, pretty much since it started. This fight is not going to go away anytime soon. So don't become complacent. Don't just assume you will have the remedies for the rest of your life. If we don't continue being vigilant and keeping our government level accountable, but also educate your children. And that's why I think what you're doing with creating this curriculum, Paula, is amazing. Because if you had been educated on homeopathy as a child and why it's so helpful and how it works, then when you became an adult, nobody would have been able to persuade you that round after round of antibiotics is going to be good for you because you will know the damage that it does to your gut flora and the effects that it has after that. The first time I found out that 80% of your serotonin is made in your gut, not in your brain, my mind was blown because we have all these people on antidepressants, they know that are on uh, yep. serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And um, if we actually just address their gut flora and try to undo all those years of damage from antibiotics, then their depression would improve. So just little things like that is um, actually quite powerful. I really want to encourage people to to teach their children about homeopathy. And this is also why I love the movie Frozen 2. <laughs> because have I you have. seen Frozen 2? It's all about the memory <laughs> I of have, water. I have. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. excited that there's going to be this generation of children that's going to grow up knowing that water can have a memory. And that's basically the you know principle of homeopathy. So um, go do Paola's course with your kids, go watch Frozen 2 and empower your children with the knowledge of homeopathy. So we don't then have to mop up the damage later on. Yep. That's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, it is, it is hard. Like uh, I call like Adults, their brains tend to calcify the older they get, and they're not flexible and open and willing and curious. And you know, I, I like to say they tend to harden and calcify. But if you can get those kids when they're younger, mm-hmm. it just becomes second nature to them. Get them while they're open and flexible and curious and willing. Absolutely. To, you know, to imagine beyond what we're given. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could maybe share a few stories of how you've used homeopathy with your kids. Okay. 
I have this really fantastic story. This happened in Budapest. My daughter had been suffering with a cold and it had been going for a little while, but I actually don't give my kids homeopathy right away. I don't just like, oh, you're sick, sneeze. Here's a remedy. You know, I just think, thank heavens I was the sickest person. My kids um, did pretty okay. And, um, and so they can get over illnesses pretty well. And I'm very blessed in that sense. But my daughter had had a cold and I was even thinking like, oh, maybe it's time to give her a remedy. But she was getting better. She was definitely getting better. And so I was like, it's fine. Okay. So she was on her way up. And so this is when we were living in Budapest. My husband had just come home from a business trip. And in his pocket, he had one Jolly Rancher candy. It's a, it's a hard candy that we have in the U.S. And we don't have it in Budapest. And the kids were like, oh, all three of them, like, we all want the Jolly Rancher. You can't really split a hard candy very easily. And so my middle boy, he looked at my, his older brother. He looked at his younger sister. He's like, I don't want the candy. <laughs> you two are going to fight about it already now. So he was like out, tells me his personality. And the two were arguing about it and fighting. And, you know, older brother was trying to trick the little sister into giving <laughs> yeah. up the candy. And Sounds she just familiar. got so mad. And they came, yeah, total typical sibling stuff. And they had come into my room about two or three times. Mom, who gets it? You decide. Like, you fix this, you know. And I was, I, I was just like, you guys have one more chance. After the third time, you have one more chance to figure this out. I'm going to take care of it. And so mom's listening. Don't judge me. The, by the time they came in again, I was just like, that's it. And I took the Jolly Rancher, unwrapped it, and I popped it in my mouth. And I was like, y'all missed your opportunity. Go and learn to work, sort things out on your own. Because if I'm going to fix it, you're probably not going to like it. Here, problem solved. It's even. Well, um, my daughter burst into tears. My son was mad and this whole thing. She went to bed very upset. And I tried soothing her, but I still don't regret it. I'm a tough mom. Like, I told you guys to work it out. And you guys are old enough, you know, so. Anyways, next morning she wakes up and she's coughing like Gollum for Lord of the Rings. Just like, <clears throat> and I was just like, oh my gosh. And I took my stethoscope and I'm not a medical practitioner, but I'm like listening to her lungs. This is before um, the current situation happened, the mm-hmm. current virus. And I listened to her lungs and I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> like, I just don't think that's what her lungs are supposed to sound like. So, you know, I'm sitting on my bed with my materia medica and I'm flipping through and I'm all angry. Because I'm like, you know why this happened? I'm talking to my husband. You know why this happened? And he's like, why? I'm like, because they had the argument. She was getting better. And then they had this argument. She went to bed very upset. And now she has probably pneumonia or whatever this is. You know, I'm flipping through my book. I'll ticked off my Materia Medica. And um, I'm thinking antimonian tart. It's for an illness that's gone on for a while. It's not an uh, antimonian tart. It's typically not a young illness. It's an older illness that's been lingering. It sounded like that wet cough. It's just everything about it. But I was going to my Materia Medica to check and read about it. Then I did a quick Google search, antimonium tart for cough. And I ran into this article. I think it was written by Dana Ullman. And he said this thing. And I was just like, what? He said, also, like, as a side note, he kind of said, like, antimonium tart can be really great when someone develops these symptoms after being angered, oh. after being upset. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. Like, boom. I did my Constantine hearing three-legged stools. I like to find three strong symptoms of the remedy that correlate with three strong symptoms of the person. I was like, done. There's my third leg. So I gave her the remedy and she just was so tired. She slept all day that day, fevered. Next day, right as rain, you know, after 24 hours, she was really starting to get out of bed and she didn't bounce right out, but she was up and clearly much better. And I was just like, wow, that homeopathy is so great. And it never ceases to amaze me. The things you can pull off Mm -hmm. with these 
with these kiddos, you know, and with your, with your family members. And it's just so great that they trust you and they look Mm -hmm. to you for that support. And it really Mm -hmm. completes that circle as a mom. Like you gave them life. If you happen to birth your children, you gave them life in your womb, or you've sustained their life with food and also with their medicine. It just is so Mm -hmm. fitting. Absolutely. What a good story. I just um, recall seeing that you've got a mommyopath retreat coming up as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think most of our listeners are in Australia. (laughs) I'm hoping it'll go more worldwide, but for those over your side of the world, tell us about the mommyopath (laughs) retreat. Okay. I'll tell you about it. I got the term mommyopath. I like trademarked it or whatever, because I think it's so cute. It's just, it's not homeopath. It's a mom, you know, and so I like to say I'm not a homeopath. I, I actually, bless your heart, I cannot go back to school. Okay, I don't have it in me. I don't want to sit at a desk. I don't want to study my books. I don't want to have deadlines. Anymore. I don't want to do it. So I like to be a mommyopath. And so basically that means I'm in the world of acute. I like doing acute short-term things. And I'm pretty good at it, I might say. I have a, When I can't really solve an acute, I tend to find out, oh, this is actually a chronic cough or something that you deal with all the time. So but I do pretty well. And so what I did is when I finished my curriculum to teach kids homeopathy, and I have that storybook, all these moms are saying, pal, I love this story. This, I'm reading it with my girlfriends. We're going to do a book club. You should do a book club discussion guide. And so I did, I did like, if you have the curriculum or even if you don't, so if you're listening guys, and I know shipping, international shipping can be a little pricey, but if you get that storybook, just a storybook and have book clubs with your moms, use your girlfriends, um, it's great. And you can get the book club guide with it. But so we're going through all seven weeks, seven out of the eight weeks of this book club together. We're reading, you know, the chapters and having discussions and learning about all the things. And then at, on the eighth week, we're actually coming to Texas. And we're having this great retreat at my friend's farm. Um, We're going to have brunch. We're going to have games. We're going to have prizes. We're going to have a whole team of homeopaths. We're going to do like an acute case-taking intensive. We're going to break up in a small group. Every small group will have a homeopath. And we're going to go through all these cases, flipping through our material medicine, just going through the motions over and over again and just really practice. And, you know, I think we're so isolated now with the current situation, with the political situation in every country that's going on. And I think it's going to be very rejuvenating to connect with like-minded people Mm. and to feel not so alone. Mm, I'm so jealous. I wish I could be there. It sounds amazing. And I'm also jealous because uh, you've got Sue Mayer, I see that's going to be there. And I love listening to her podcast. She is just an exceptional woman. And you have a podcast that's going to be coming up soon, which I'm also excited about because I've listened to all Joettes, all Sue Mayer and Kelly Callahan's. There's a couple of other podcasts. And then I, after listening to all the episodes, I was like, right, I'm going to have to start my own. So when you said you're starting one, I'm so excited because (laughs) I do a lot of driving and um, I love listening to podcasts. So yeah. How's that all going? Have you started it yet? Yeah. I recorded all my interviews. I'm about halfway through editing them. I've decided that I want to have them all edited before I release the season. It'll be eight months and then I'll take a four month break for my season to, you know, kind of prepare the next season. So I'm going to do like proper seasons, um, eight months on, four months off. And yeah, it'll be great. I actually flew out to the UK when I was living in Budapest and interviewed some really interesting farmers and different individuals and homeopaths who are doing really great stuff. But I'm just taking like you, like you, um, trying to do a consumer perspective, mm. a mom perspective mm-hmm. and reaching out to that group. And I think, and I think just for me, because I'm not a homeopath, I'm just a mom. And so I'm trying to kind of, what would a mom ask in mm-hmm. these interviews and take that approach? So it's fun. I really don't like when people say just a mom because it is the most important job ah, in the entire know, world. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly you're the right, most important, right. the hardest, the most underrated job in the whole world. So yeah, you you're an exceptional the hand um, that rocks the cradle. Absolutely. The yeah. Well, you better hurry up because I would love to listen. I can't wait. And can you just tell our listeners while we're at it all the different places that they can get hold of you? All right. So um, for my curriculum, go to my website, paolabrown.com and P-A-O-L-A brown.com. And then Americans for Homeopathy Choice is just at homeopathychoice.org. And then both my personal business and the nonprofit organization are on Instagram, Paola Brown homeopathy brown like apostrophe s but you don't put the apostrophe in a url so mm-hmm. paula brown's homeopathy is on facebook and instagram and i have tons of fun on instagram and facebook you and do. <laughs> also yeah it's too much fun those reels are so much fun and then also uh, americans for homeopathy choice we do we try to do more educational it's a little bit more professional a little bit more formal um handle but do follow us there because mm-hmm. We do have action alerts that sometimes the international community can help with. And really the best thing to do is to sign up to both email lists because I don't trust social media anymore. Like I, yes, I agree. Like I wish we could. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do sign up to my email. Um, I'm actually coming out with some digital products soon, early next year in the spring 2022. So um, be on my email list because if you can't you know, ship stuff, there'll be some digital stuff coming out. So that'll be nice. Amazing. International friends. So to finish off, tell me your top three favorite remedies that you absolutely cannot live without. Okay. Well, um, my greatest love is probably cantharis. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the remedy that's typically for burns and blisters. Um, I actually have a really great story. So my son, this is, okay, when your kids turn 12, guys, I didn't know this. When my oldest turned 12, you really need to keep an eye on them. You know, like when they're the toddler age and they can get around, you really need to keep an eye on them. Well, when they turn 12, you need like, go back to like that high alert because they get like, they lose their brain cells or something. <laughs> they do like dumb things when they turn 12. Well, my son, um, we just had uh, New Year's Eve and we'd exploded all these huge fireworks that go shoot up in the sky, you know, in Budapest. And um, we'd bought our own and done that. And there was one firework that in the dark, we didn't notice. It was tucked behind the door under the coat. And my 12 year old finds this firework later that week. And he's with his brother downstairs and he got a lighter um, and he took the lighter to the fire. He's like, I'm going to light it. No, I'm not. I'm going to light it. No, I'm not. And funny how if a flame gets near a fuse, it's going to light. And so I'm upstairs homeschooling with my daughter and it lights. And thank heavens, you know, that the firework actually shot out of his hand. It wasn't like a cracker that just explodes. It shot out of his hand under the couch loaded in my living room with phosphorus smell everywhere smoke I mean but the shoot just the, the fact that it shot out of his hand still was quite injurious to him and so he comes upstairs screaming which brings us to my second favorite remedy which is aconite he comes upstairs screaming and I wish you could I could have recorded this but of course it's not the time to think of those things <laughs> but he was screaming his eyes were huge like the the eyeballs just like his eye just big you know in that shocked state and he was saying I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die which is very classic aconite the person thinks they're gonna die and um his hand was black and I thought it was just soot but later on after you know we tried rinsing it off and it was actually his flesh was burnt like chicken like burnt chicken like it was burnt so he comes up I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die and I was just like 
you stay there because I was thinking the downstairs might be lighting on fire at this point because I don't know what happened to that firecracker. So I run downstairs and my <laughs> the younger sibling, the, the little boy, I wasn't my fault. He's opening the windows. I had nothing to do with it. I told him not to do it. He's opening the windows because of the smoke. And I was like, where did it shoot? And I find the firecracker or the firework thing and it nothing was caught on fire. So I was like, okay. So it melted the carpet though, melted underneath the couch. Like it was oh. pretty big. So I go upstairs and I'm just like, let me see this hand. And I'm looking at it. And he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I gave him Aconite 200, popped it in his mouth. And I'm, I kid you not, it was like watching this remedy take over. And he went like this. <gasps> and he, he said it almost to himself. Okay, maybe I'm not going to die. Mm. And I just thought that was so amazing. It brought that shock level down. Mm. And then he starts going, but it burns, it burns, it burns, it burns, it burns, it burns. You know, now he's <laughs> the pain was really settling in and the shock was gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, we move on to Cantharis. <laughs> and so we gave him Cantharis and um, we gave him a loading dose. It was just four doses in 30, um, in 15, you know, actually I wasn't really counting. I was just mm-hmm. like hitting him. And then hitting him again, you know, not hitting him, but putting the remedy in his yeah. mouth, putting it again, you know, that's what I mean, <laughs> not beating him. And, um, and yeah, within 45 minutes, I was like, he's holding his hand and he's looking at it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what's your pain level? And he looks up at me. It's zero. Wow. And I was like, all right, Mateus, homeopathy works super great. But like, really, <laughs> what's your pain level? Because <laughs> I'm like, come on, be specific. And he's like, no, mom, it really is at zero. Wow. And I'm like, well, there you go. Homeopathy <laughs> works. <laughs> and, and then he healed really nicely. I made this cool. I was trying, the bandage kept sticking to his hand because it was really raw flesh. And I made this little like concoction where I got like unflavored gelatin and I heated it up in a little bit of warm water. And when it melted, you're supposed to add cold water, but instead I added aloe vera juice, whatever, right? Very. And then I put that on his, yes. I put that on his hand. I was tempted to put colloidal silver in it too, but I just put the unflavored gelatin. It was kind of extra hard Mm. on his hand. And then I bandaged it. And that kept a little bit of a barrier to keep it from sticking to his hand because it was just so painful when I pulled it off. I, it went from burnt flesh, pink, raw, that sensitive skin to like just a a light colored pink, solid skin in a week. And we just continued the, the, so those are two of my favorite remedies. Mm-hmm. And then I would say my third favorite remedy is probably Belladonna. Mm-hmm. Because it was just my friend, my son, when he was young, he would just get these fevers. This is like, like my, you know, ordered my first kit. Mm-hmm. It arrives in the mail. And I'm like, you're feeling all strong and powerful. Like, I'm going to take care of my family. We're not going to do antipyretics anymore and you know see the medicine or whatever you guys use for mm-hmm. fever reducers mm-hmm. and you're feeling so brave and here we go and then your kid comes down with a fever boom it's 104 degrees it's just like whoo I was like he's on fire and I did that belladonna and it just so and every that little kid every time he got sick he'd always go for a real high fever it just means how healthy he is and um, which would instantly give me diarrhea because I was a young mom didn't know homeopathy very well but that belladonna was just such a comfort. And I just will always, so, you know, our cow, her name's Belladonna. I love that yeah. remedy. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. There you go. Those are my three. Yeah. 
Amazing. Um, thank you so much for your time, Paula. And please get that podcast up. I can't oh. wait to start listening. And thank you so much for all you it's do okay. to promote homeopathy and to keep it alive and to educate others and to share your passion. You are really to be commended for that. You are an incredible inspiration. And thank you so much for your time today. You're so welcome. And it's so lovely, lovely meeting you. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep spreading the good word. And you are just as important. So thank you so much. <laughs>